You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. chasers of light to the purveyors of pictures all of you listening this is the f11 photography podcast i am your host kevin deal along with your other host brandon gory <laughs> and that is uh that is his laugh if you're wondering it is i <laughs> And we are joined in studio today by Raphael Umshid. Correct. Let's get extra points for that. That could have gone both ways. It could have been Umshid, but we, and I would have said that was right. That, that's problematic. <laughs> I'm very relativistic. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny. I've known Raphael at some capacity at least for a couple of years now, and I've never actually like said his last name verbally. I've always just typed it out, but is it German? Correct. C, if my parents are listening, I took two years of German in college and it fucking paid off. So, I mean, that sounded kudos. Chinese to me. So I don't, I don't really got that right. <laughs> I don't want to use the sound effect twice, but <laughs> yes, uh, our sponsor for today's episode is uh, Dehancer. Is the price of film kicking you in the balls? Uh, we have three film photographers today, so I guarantee you we're going to talk about that at some point. But if the price of film is kicking you in the balls and you just can't uh, afford it anymore and you're at the end of your rope, uh, you can go get Dehancer uh, because Dehancer is about the price of three boxes of uh, 120 film now. And uh, it's really cool. It has 30 years of combined experience, uh, not only emulating the color of film, but doing something that most film emulations do poorly, and that is emulating the actual physics of light hitting an emulsion and creating cool things like halation, bloom, uh, and all that. And so uh, Brandon and I have both done reviews of Dehancer on our YouTube channels. Brandon, what do you think about it? Well, first of all, I just want to say that if you are at the end of your rope, please seek help. Uh, but in terms of my thoughts on Dehancer, I thought it was a very comprehensive software for not only emulating film stocks, which you know and love, especially those that are going extinct, like Fuji Pro 400H and uh, Fuji Natura, which I'm actually not sure if Natura was on there. I don't think I saw it on there, but you can emulate it if you really wanted to because Dehancer has such a complex system for for bringing film to life in all of its physical aspects from the bloom, the halation, the film grain, and even high definition shadow and contrast renderings that mimic the pushing of film in a very proprietary manner. It will not look like regular contrast. It will look like the pushing of film. Exactly. And you can also emulate cool things like paper type because it's not just about your film emulation. It's about your print emulation. The art of print is just as important as the art of film. 
So uh, if you, if that sounds cool to you, we do have a link in the description below where you can get 10% off Dehancer, but enough about the sponsors. We have not done an interview in a while on this show, um, mainly because I haven't been around and we haven't had a show because <laughs> I've been traveling for work. So uh, we have in studio Raphael Umshid. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, uh, Raphael is a badass photographer based here in Austin, and we're going to talk to him about a myriad of topics, starting with what got you into photography. A mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, seriously, uh, I, I was always a visual person since I was a kid drawing dinosaurs and sharks and whales all the time, and then... I was into painting and then I moved to Austin and was sort of in a band with my friend that now lives in Portland, Eric Jordan. I'll give you his last name in case he's listening. Um, and he was into film and I said, what are you doing? And, and then I got a little point and shoot, um, started playing around with it, went to Switzerland. It failed um, when I was there. So I bought another camera at the tourist store and was hooked. So kept going from there. Awesome. awesome. Now you uh, also paint, right? Correct. Uh, so you, did you start painting? You, you started painting first, and then you did photography after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was always into you know just drawing and painting first. And do you find that uh, the two work harmoniously together? Like uh, you can really draw from uh, the artistic vibes you get when you paint, and then apply that to your photography. Yeah, it's it, it's. Not always perfect. Like I'll, I'll think I have this idea and it doesn't translate to one medium or the other, but in my mind, because I don't have uh, very good, strong limits to how I think things just bleed and merge. So I'm like really letting things happen and going back and forth and really more and more. I'm just really not trying to have a limit between either one. I think of them all as visual ultimately. Now that, that whole, uh, um, coexistence of uh, painting and photography do you find that sometimes if you're in a rut on one medium you just find yourself gravitate toward the other to try to find inspiration to get yourself back in on on you know like for instance if you're like man i'm my painting is shit right now i'm not feeling it i'm gonna go shoot some fucking film right now and then feel myself and then i'll go back and paint does that does that work for you sometimes yeah and it's also the speed of the medium um like with the painting you can be really stuck and you can really be like I don't want to touch this thing for a month or something like that. And sometimes you have to because of drying time and those things. Um, so going out and just getting something done with, uh, you know, taking photos feels faster and you, you go out, you have a nice day in the sun, come back and look at it on the computer and then you're hunched over again. Um, and then you do your Pilates and your back and then you do some painting. Um, and then it, it's not just the painting, it's, it's other things too. I mean, I just, I think all the all of life are the breaks you can take like between playing music or hanging out with friends. It's all it's all feeding in, I feel, you know, different mediums, video game playing. Yeah, and and to paint a picture, I just want to say that I getting into photography, you know, and especially in the Austin area, you were one of the first photographers I followed and I was always extremely inspired by the way that you captured form and not only captured the essence of the female form, but also tied that into the an abstract expression of, of shape 
and color itself. And I, I've found that very few people do that better than you. And so um, I wanted to ask, as, as it's been years since I've been aware of your work and an and ad admirer of your work, is how has, how has your work evolved in your own mind? Um, was there any deliberation or intention with this, or has it been just an ongoing exploration um, from since when you started? I think it's both, if that makes any sense. Um, there will be like moments of uh, a push to go a certain direction. And then there'll be moments where I'm just checked out and I let things happen. And I think um, for me, just being open to exploration is always great um, to put me in another place or I'll try something new. And then that goes back to the intentions that I had. Um, or maybe I abandoned some of the original intentions that maybe they were bad ideas. Um, I mean, I, I feel like um, I like I like to let ideas die if they need to. Um, or I just throw all these ideas in a sketchbook, come back to them, and if they're great, then I want to keep pursuing them. So so it's a little of both. Would, would you find that the end justifies the, the means and the journey of your project? Or would you say it is the journey and the process that justifies the end uh it's the journey and process for me like um you know if uh i think uh we might touch on ai maybe but um <laughs> you missed that episode we recorded that earlier today we were we're happy to keep talking about it because it's a hot topic that people listen to so feel free talk about ai yeah i mean <clears throat> for me ai can even if it you know which it will be better than us um i'm still going to be doing what I do. Well, um, would you see yourself incorporating AI to, to not necessarily better, but in enhance or explore a, a more creative Avenue? Like, is there a way that you could see AI enhancing your vision and not detracting from it? I think it's possible. I haven't gotten there yet. I did try. I, I went on a shark trip recently. Um, my childhood fantasy to swim with sharks and no shark showed up. So the captain had taken a photo of me at sea and I tried to fill it with sharks, but they looked like crap. But, I'm going to, so. I'm going to do my best. Uh, I'm going scuba diving. Uh, as a matter of fact, as soon as this interview is done, I'm going to the Apple store to get a dive watch and I'm going, uh, diving for a week among hopefully some sharks. Maybe I'll get more, more, I'll where? be more fortunate than you. Yeah. But, where at? Uh, we're going to go to the keys. Okay. So we're going to the keys for a week. We're going to do some day, daytime dives and then we're going to do a nighttime dive and all that. And so yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, but that's, that's a, I got certified for yeah. it and everything and I'm excited to give it a shot. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, okay. they won't, they don't bite me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any chum. Yeah. Don't touch so. me because I'll give you bad luck. Okay. We'll stay. <laughs> He's about two feet from me. Show up. <laughs> He's actually more like a foot and a half away from me. So I'm going to give him a space. But anyway, you yeah. tried artificial intelligence. So you tried to put some sharks in. It didn't quite work out. Yeah, they looked like crap. So um, was you it know, the lighting was hitting them wrong or what? Oh, they just looked like fake, fake sharks um, that were superimposed on the sea. I didn't try very hard, honestly. But well, but I know that technology is going to evolve, and and you will be able to make a shark filled sea in the future. Um, but you know, I haven't gotten there as far as incorporating my own work. But I mean, I do see the potential. But even if it can do all the work for me, um, I'll probably still want to do things the hard way because uh, I just get a lot of satisfaction. Out well, of I'm in I'm in these Facebook groups online because I 
you know, as everybody in this room knows, I'm big into gear. And so to stay on top of a lot of gear, I, I tend to be in groups. They're like, oh, this is a Hasselblad group and this is a Canon group. And so I just like to stay on top of things. But every week, it seems like in one of those groups, some person has some existential crisis out in the open. Like, oh my God, AI is going to take my job. I'm like, well, maybe if you're a fucking headshot photographer, it will because it's so technical and not creative. But, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, Nothing is stopping you from going out and getting a Mamiya 645, getting some Portra 400 and just shooting and not giving a fuck what AI does and just go out and take good pictures. Uh, you know, I mean, and, 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 and that's, that's kind of the thing is it's like, uh, you know, you can, you know, you don't have to worry about what else is going on. You can just be like, uh, there's this guy, you no, know, Stefan, he's this Swiss guy I met, uh, during the pandemic. He's really, he lives in Australia now. He's a, a photographer, but he had this really like good, uh, outlook, which is like, Hey, you know, you think about that guy who, 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 who started painting in caves, you know, some caveman is painting in caves, just enjoying his life, not giving a fuck about anything else. You can be that guy. Nothing is stopping you from being that guy. You can just go take pictures to make yourself happy and not care what other people think, not care what AI is doing while you're doing your thing. You can just go do your thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I have to, Yeah, you know, yeah. Last time I was painting in a tent, uh, or I mean, in a cave, I had the security come grab me and tell me that I need to go back to my, my, my tent at the festival, you know? Yeah. I was in like those <laughs> cliff dwellings in Colorado, like drawing <laughs> boobies on things. I got arrested. You know, I'm just kidding. I didn't <laughs> do that. We wouldn't put <laughs> hey, it. I can do that. <laughs> hey, I can do that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny. Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the new, uh, generative fill. We were just did a whole episode on it, but I can literally like, Look at your shirt, draw a lasso. He's wearing a striped shirt. Draw a lasso around your shirt, and I can I can put you in the Freddie Mercury wife beater if I want. I can with the with the leather jacket. Like I can do whatever I want. Yes, it's, I it's, want that. <laughs> so 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 what we're gonna do before we leave is I'm gonna take a portrait of Raphael in that shirt before he leaves, and I am gonna do generative fill AI in a Freddie Mercury jacket for his picture for this episode. I've called it now, which means that before he leaves, I have to take a portrait real quick. The real question I have is can generative AI replace chest hair? Can it enhance chest hair? Can it take it away? It's interesting. You, you bring that up because I tried it out and like, it'll, yeah, it, yes, it can. Okay. Mine's turning gray. So <laughs> it's good. Get to that point. <laughs> it's aged. It's yes. just, the quality is there. We are. I have fine aged chest hair, <laughs> but you know, getting older, uh, it, it, there are some cool things though about getting older. Like when I was young and I've had these conversations with Brandon on the show, when you're younger, you're more competitive and you, you know, you're always like, you see some photographer doing something. You're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to one up it. I find that as I get older, I start celebrating other people's victories more and I'm happy for them. So like, you know, for those of you listening, like there's a small community of models in Austin and there's a lot of models that the three of us in this room have worked with. And so sometimes you'll see somebody work with a model uh, and you, they'll take what you think is a better shot than you've ever taken with that model. And instead of going fucker, you're like, dude, I'm happy. Like I've seen, I've seen uh, Raphael take shots of models I've worked with before. I'm like, that's a fucking cool shot. I wish I took it, but I'm, I'm happy for him as opposed to being like, fuck that guy. You know, like when I was younger, it might, it might, might be a little bit more like, mm, you know, well, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing is something I preach on this show is that part of being a photographer and part, part of being the skill, a skillful photographer is selecting the model you work with. And I've noticed in your work, Raphael, that it's a lot of your work there never seems to be 
a lack of intention with the model you decide to work with for the project. You never seem to work with a model who just didn't quite get what you needed in terms of the work because your work is, is it's multidisciplinary in a lot of ways. And so not having the right model can impact the other media in your, in your artwork. So I just wanted to ask, what, is there a process for who you work with or how do you go about making that very important uh, selection? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I'm looking for a degree of belief in what I do from the model. So it's a reciprocal appreciation of each other's work. Um, and I think to my detriment for a while, I was really closing walls off um, of late. I'm just going to go on a sidebar. Um, so I'm really expanding who I'm uh, talking to lately. But um, I, I had people that I felt safe with and that we did good work. Um, and that felt really good, comforting. So I'm trying to get a little out of my comfort zone again, which, which I started that way, but I just somehow got, I think after the pandemic, I got a little bit walled up and like, okay, I have these five people that are great and I just want to stick with them and build. And I've worked with some of these people for a decade now. So that is pretty incredible relationship, but, but yeah, we definitely, it's like, they know, I know. Um, there's no question what we're going to do. Um, even if we decide to go AWOL and do something experimental and crazy, which I'm always a fan of doing that. I like to just stay loose and see what happens. So you say that the, you probably agree that the compatible nature of your relationship with these models leaves you so much space to expand creatively when you don't have to worry about their ability to not only work with you, but synthesize with you something new, something creative and something that might push the bounds of your work. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a challenge, um, you know, with a newer person, um, or if they have more commercial goals, it's a challenge. So, um, you know, Yes. That's, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm like, uh, I'm like you, I, I tend, especially after the pandemic, you know, you, you, you're like, Hey, I gotta, first of all, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> so I'm going to like very limited who I work with. And, but uh, I, I tend to work with the same models. I've touched upon this on this, on this show. And the reason I work with them is I heard Manor James Keenan of tool say this. And I was like, that's literally me to a core, which is you, you cause he's in like all these different bands and it's like, why are you in this band? And why are you in that band? Because like, I have these different conversations I need to have. And I need to have them with different people. And like, I can go leave this project and go to this other project. And then like, then I go back to that old project and we're continuing a conversation. We may have changed the subject because it's a new album, but we're changing the conversation. Uh, it was the same conversation, changing the subject with the same person. We continue where we left off. And I feel that way with models. When I work with a model for the first time, I tend to not do something super crazy and elaborate because they may fold, they may suck, they may not be compatible. I mean, we, another thing we talked about, like I see, you know, Brandon shoot with some models better than I do. And, and my conclusion is, well, he's just more compatible with that model than I'm cool. And there's probably some models that I have shoots where Brandon's like, yeah, oh, Kevin's probably in same, same with you. But, but I tend to use the same models because it's like, Hey, I don't have to get to know you as a photographer model relationship anymore. I just have this fucking crazy idea. Let's go execute it. And then like, we just go and hit the ground running. Is it kind of the same in your world? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, We'll we'll work on shoots. Sometimes it would be like a span of two years between shoots, but it's always there. Um, usually, 
and many of the models I work with, they don't, they don't work very often. They're not doing very active really. So I'm kind of the guy that works with them and we, we do something, they do something once or twice a year. And I know you've worked with Anya. She doesn't No. Uh, you've worked with Anya. I have worked with Anya yeah. working with her. I know she's always very open to shoot. I know she doesn't model very much anymore cause she's yeah. got her fantastic, um, holistic midwife yeah. thing going on, which is awesome. Uh, I love her, her message, especially when it's in Russian, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but the times that I have worked with her, it, it has been like a breath of fresh air. Uh, I'm a very abstract guy. When I give directions, it's, I try not to give technical directions because when models get technical directions, they don't fill the rest of the void. When you tell them to move their arm, they don't fit the whole posture of what it means to move their arm. They just go, Oh, my arm is moved. That should be it. Anya, you can tell her to, to occupy a space in an emotional in a characteristic capacity. And she will go and do that in a very natural, intentional way. And it leaves, it leaves you as a photographer, so much space, so much, just nice empty space where you can just figure out the rest without having to worry about Anya. And she brings so much to the table in that way. It's I I'm absolutely not surprised that you work with her so often. And as often as you do, because as a multidisciplinary artist, you need that space. It's very important yeah, for you. I mean, um, and I worked with her on a dance project. I had this, I was going to do a dance film, you know, just totally off the wall. I'm not a choreographer. I can't dance, but I was like taking one look at you. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I can do do some funny dances on the subjects of picking models. Cause we had a models episode where we just talked about models and then we've had models come in here. Um, and I always like getting a new photographer's perspective on this. What do you look for when you're like, I want to work with her. Cause like my thing is, is I just like look at a few pictures and I, I, I can't put it into words, which is why I take pictures. I'm just like, I know I want to work with you. And I just kind of not sound creepy when I preach you about it. But, but like what, what, what criteria, what are you looking for on a model when you have a project in mind? Yeah. I, I should have some deep answer, you know, the soul. I mean, it's more than a veneer. I mean, I don't, I think people that are more interesting, there's something deeper, um, which is, always what I'm hoping to achieve something that's not just a, a quote unquote shoot with a concept, which I'm not really into that, that terminology kind of bothers me. Like I don't shoot concepts, random concepts. I'm working on something here. If you've, if you've seen my linear progress on certain things, not everyone has, or can my Instagram's confusing. So I get it. (laughs) Well, it's cause uh, that's cause on Instagram you have to, on Instagram, you have to like uh, cater your work toward a crop that they're asking for and all that. It's not not a place to thrive 100% as an artist unless you just happen to shoot in a square. So. Right, right. So, yeah, someone that, you know, someone that, that is a little more than just wanting to take pictures and more than a pretty face. I'm not into taking pretty pictures. Um, <laughs> I had someone tell me it was my job as a photographer to take, make a model, flatter a model, and I push back on that every time I can, because I'm like, no, um, no, I mean, that there are some great photographers that do, but not me. Well, I have, I have a lot of, um, you know, I think that a lot of models, especially women are confused about what it means to be a good model. They, they put so much emphasis on looks 
It's like some of the most awesome pictures I've seen are taken of some pretty odd looking people. Yeah. Like there's odd beauty, like someone like, I don't know, Tilda Swinton or somebody like that. She's oddly beautiful. Right. Yes. And, and like so, with her. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to shoot with her, but, but you know, they, 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 they have this checklist in their head where they're like, they're like, Oh yeah, well I'm, I'm pretty. It's like, I don't care. Like, I, I, how old right. do you know your body in front of a camera? First of all, how much, how much instruction do I need to give you? Because if I'm a ventriloquist and I'm shaping you, as we've discussed in this, in this uh, podcast, I'm taking my mental bandwidth away from framing composition and things that I'm trying to work through as an artist. And I'm, 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 I'm basically for whatever reason, you don't know how to model and you need me to model you. I should only like give you micro adjustments, things that you can't see. Cause you're not looking through the camera. Like just you nailed it. Move your hand up just a sec, uh, just a little bit. There we go. Like that's it. Yeah. That's, that's how much coaching I feel like I should give a model. Yeah. I, mean, I think we're all in the same camp of not over coaching because uh, I think that leaves just staleness, you know, and I like to let people have their part of the project. Um, maybe in the end, sometimes it'll be, I really have a, uh, this is mine and I really want to make it a certain thing, but I still want to have that openness always to everyone involved to, um, make it feel as a, a whole. And when we finish, I'm open to what they can do. And nine times out of 10, they're probably gonna do something better than what I thought. Um, and I love that. So that feels really good when someone just blows me away and I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm a witness, you know, just yeah. clicking the button, like, Oh man, this emotion. <laughs> like, it's this one actress was making me about to tear up and I'm like watching this performance. You are listening to the F11 photography podcast. As someone who has friends and follows the, the model scene in Europe, relatively closely more so than in the u.s I f it, it seems to me like that quality that we look for in models is just innate in europe that liquid uh, that liquid form of of you know models just being comfortable in their bodies being comfortable just you know taking the form of of a renaissance painting taking the form of everyday life living slowly and and not not over overly stimulated on on the on, on abstract anxieties and things bombarding them in their minds. I feel like here in the US, it's harder to find those models. What we expect here is is the commercial veneer of of hyper posing and, and hyper looks and everything has to be a statement. There's there's no art form of subtlety in the model culture in the US. It's very difficult to find. Whereas I look at the people, the amateur photo shoots in Europe, and this girl who doesn't have any experience in modeling often, because I, I I look through there, I look through the models, I look through the photographers, I, I look through everyone. And more often than not, these photos that are getting featured are featuring women who aren't even professional models. They're just so comfortable in the everyday life that they they can just they can just be and exact their own their own state of necessity so well in front of cameras in a way that people in the U.S. just can't. Here, it's like it's like a job. People treat it like okay, I'm turning on my model. It's like you just got to know how to be in that yeah. way. We're, yeah, we're a very commercial oriented society, and it's you know I'm like. I mean, that's half the reason why Instagram is such a nightmare, like the bang energy drink and all that. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want any part of that world. So I'm just, it's just, well, <clears throat> Austin is a yeah. commercial market on top of that. Like it's, you know, we have fashion divisions of some modeling agencies here, but 
they're also like if you go to the modeling agencies in Austin, they'll have a fashion division, but all those models are also in their commercial division because that's where they go to make money. And um, you know, I, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the connection to the photographer. So like, you know, I'm always drawn to the work of Peter Lindbergh because Peter Lindbergh could take somebody like Cindy Crawford. And, you know, who's a supermodel and it's like, no, no, I'm going to strip you down to like the, uh, you know, the most basic form of yourself, put on a white t-shirt and let's go out on a beach. And I'm going to get some of the most honest photos I've ever gotten, which is some T-Mac or he was a 400 TX guy, but he just go out there with a Hasselblad or something and just like get some of the most honest photos of some of these models that you're used to seeing like superposed and then all this commercial us vibe. He just, he just find a way to pull that out of him. And that's always been the draw to me is it's like, you know, that's a reputation I've always wanted to get is a lot of these commercial models who come to me for creative projects because they're so used to being posed all the time. Like, I just want to go do something out in the streets and like do some honest stuff. It's like, yes, that's, that's what, that's that guy I want to be. I want to be that guy, like that Peter Lindbergh vibe. Let's, let's go roll with that. And so, uh, but to, to your point, I was just talking about like, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the connection with the photographer. Uh, but uh, shifting gears to ideas and all that. Do, are you a big mood boarder? How do you, how do you communicate what you're trying to accomplish with a model? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's, um, I'm a little odd, I think, um, because I not into mood boards for the most part and I kind of don't want to use them, but, um, I will eventually use them sometimes, um, to be helpful. Um, my favorite thing to do is sketch. And so I'll sketch ideas and send them. So, uh, a lot of models just think it's funny because I'll send them these ridiculous drawings like with with backs that have no vertebrae basically, and like I want this, <laughs> so so they love it. Um, some of them, I think, you know, the ones that don't love it, don't tell me. But I like I like the fact that you sketch because I have models approach me about doing shoots, and when they put mood boards together, because we live in this uh, digital algorithmic world. Uh, they all go to Pinterest and they all type in the same like basic terms, like model sitting in studio or something. And when they like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like when I have this conversation with models and they send me a Pinterest board, it's the same seven poses that the last model sent me. And I'm like, shit. But if you can sketch something from scratch and you send them an idea, that's your original. You're not copying anything. So I think there's something to that. And you know, we're talking about it. Um, we're talking about an episode where we talked about AI, um, you know, something that I use. I just bought a new iPad recently and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not an artist. I'm not a sketcher, but I can sketch something up. And I sketched up a, an idea that was based off of something I saw in AI uh, about the, the, this couture dress thing that I want to do with projection and all that. I sent it off to a designer and he flipped out, thought it was amazing. I don't know. Maybe people take, take it more seriously if you send it to him as a drawing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I I think some people want to see like a whole setup from a reference photo and a mood board, and that makes them comfortable. And I understand that. Um, so I don't mean to be elitist, but I I love to make a sketch because then it's like this open thing that I can shape and make the light how I want. But um, it's it's loose, and I don't feel like the model. You know, they can't they can't approximate the lines I've made that are squiggly. Um, so if they can squint and kind of see where I'm going with a variety of sketches, I feel like it keeps them looser. So it's going back to the posing idea. Like, cause I always tell them I'm not drawing this. So you'll pose like this. 
So I can, I can just because of the way you describe your relationship with the models, I can see you setting them like a, a Jackson Pollock and just being like, I want this from you. And they could be like, I understand <laughs> like that's the relationship you have where it's, yeah. it's very abstract. It's very flowy. And that mutual understanding is, uh, is incredibly rare, but also incredibly powerful in, in creating work. Um, but something I wanted to ask you as well is when it comes to film, what is your approach to film these days? The f film has changed a lot in the last five, 10 years. And I know that you, you have shot film and that you do shoot film. You have a Mamiya 645, if I remember correctly. Um, what are your, what are your views on the, the, the rise in prices? Has it affected your shooting? And do, do you, do you long to shoot more film or what is your relationship therein? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one, my vision deteriorated, um, in the past two years. So, um, the six, four, five, I, I took it out recently and I never bring my glasses anywhere. My readers <laughs> talk, this is old man talk now. <laughs> AARP in the house. <laughs> I couldn't see. I could not focus. And sure enough, they weren't focused. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, in the end, um, my relationship with it is, yeah, I am shooting less of it due to the prices for sure. Um, but it's it's when I want to really, really slow down. Um, if I feel like I'm stressed out and I've just been shooting a bunch of mindless digital images, um, like yesterday I saw, I shot 1200 exposures of these monsters, which was wonderful, but they're, they're monster costumes. And, uh, okay. and, uh, I don't have to do any editing, which is wonderful. I just delivered the card and there you go. Monsters on green screen, 1200 awesome. pictures, but that's, that's clicking. And, uh, you know, it was half on a tripod and half video. And, and I love those, the people that make those monsters. They, they always hear yeah. me, but, but now I want to take some, I, I have some, film ready to put in a Mamiya. Um, I was thinking about going this afternoon, actually. What's your, do you have a favorite film stock or a stock you're on a kick on lately? No, I, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't, um, explore enough on films, but, uh, I've, I've been to Delta 100 has been my go-to. This guy is my brother's from a different mother. It's <laughs> Delta's. Yeah. I'm a Delta guy. There's so yeah. many people who are HP and FP. I'm a Delta 100, 400 guy all day. Yeah, it's sitting on top of the camera, so I just got to load it. Um, and I have, I think, Portra 400 and the AE1, if I remember. And that that one, I don't even remember. Is it, I put the film in like three months ago, and for whatever reason, I did a shoot, and I always tell myself, finish the roll. And I didn't finish it. And it's like, Oh, we're done with the shoot. And then it sits there for a couple months. So do you see for me, Delta is like, there's some mid tonal stuff that I cannot get with digital. Like just mm -hmm. like Delta is just like, have all these shades of mid tones that you can't get anywhere else and enjoy it. And that's just the way it's just like, Oh my gosh. And if I need to bump the contrast, I will. But like, I cannot, I've, I've, I have all these different, uh, you know, film emulations and this, and I, I just cannot reproduce it. The best way to, to to get Delta is to go shoot Delta. It's amazing. It's, it's honest. It's honest. It's so good. Just do it. Skin and, looks so amazing on it. And you know the the way when I'm purging my mind with a painting or whatever or with film, it's it's the same um, as opposed to the the monster photos, twelve hundred exposures, which you know you're not even really looking at a certain point. It's 
click, 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 especially with monsters because their face is always perfect. You know, costumes, they don't, the eyes are always going to look good. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. I've got a question for you, and I've been thinking about this the entire conversation, but I didn't know if it was appropriate to ask. How do you accomplish your 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 painter work with with the photographs? How the hell do you do that? <laughs> what do you What do you mean? I guess do you print out the photo in like a large format and then like paint over it, or oh, okay, is uh, it a digital rendering? Like, how do yeah. you? There's there's several methods, and I guess that's where I say, <clears throat> like, when we started talking, that I. I merge all these ideas and I'm always experimenting with process. So there's some that are, you know, all digital creation. Um, I did some work with Anya um, and those are all digital. Um, the painting is digital painting. Um, and then I've done some where I print a small reference because I only have an eight and a half by 11 printer at home. Right. And then I, I paint um, usually with the broadest brush I can do, um, so that things aren't overly prescriptive. Um, and then sometimes I'll print some detail out, but, um, there's different ways. I was going to so say my it, answer is going to be different. I mean, I've, I've printed, time. I've done Polaroids and I've drawn all over them. So I've, I did a project in Washington state one time where I took Polaroids and just got blobs of blue paint and put them all over them. So, yeah, my answer is sometimes. I was going to say, because your work makes no sense, and yet it's harmonious. You know, it's like, I get it, but I don't know why I get it. You know, you did you did one body of work. I believe it was with Anya and an extension cord. You brought an orange extension cord into the mix. And I'm thinking, because you did an outdoor and an indoor with that orange extension cord. And what 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 I found really interesting is, the color, the orange that went with the extension cord was, it also accentuated the other two main colors. Indoors, it was white and light brown, if I remember correctly, with the orange. And that, like the orange was a, a fantastic accent there. It worked really well, not to mention how you composed it. The framing was was great. And, and, and to me, I'm thinking like, because I was starting out as a photographer when I saw this, and I'm just like, I was angry. I was a little bit upset. I was like, why, why is this extension cord doing so much in this photo? What the fuck? I love that extension cord. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then you shot another photo of Anya on this log outside with the, with the, I believe there was like a deep blue sky and then uh, tall grass, dry grass. And it was such harsh light. It was, and it was a 10 AM if I recall, right? Wow. In, yeah. In December, if I recall, right? Yeah. Also. And just like in between the photo, you've got this extension cord just disrupting the horizon and the model. And I'm just like, it strikes again. How, how can you do this? It, it was bewildering. It's a, I, I mean, I was having this conversation with a, a musician slash um, uh, artist, visual artist uh, the other day when I was trimming my boxwoods <laughs> and I'm serious. I am when I'm, when I'm doing that type of yard work, it's very domestic. I'm just in a zone thinking about stuff like that. And like, I think probably that's where, that's where I was like, extension cord. <laughs> well, speaking of musicians, so you paint and you do photography, but you're also a musician, right? Yeah, sort of. 
He, he's <laughs> being very humble. He plays in a band and has records and videos and stuff. You're, you're, you're a musician. Yeah. Yeah. You, you uh, check that box. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I sometimes don't want to say I'm a photographer or a painter or anything. I just, you're a creator. You're, you're you produce definitions. Things. I'm like, get a little, like, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of all over the place. It, it's a pressure and a limit at the same time. Yeah. Well, what do you, uh, I make music to you. What is the relationship between visual and music? Like it could be art, like it could be, it could be painting, it could be photography, but, uh, to me, to, to, cause to me, like music is like just a bigger part of my life as photography is like, I, I come from a music background. I'm a musician. Yeah. And so to you, uh, how important is music in your life, uh, with, with visual arts? I mean, it, it's, and, and I'll keep, I'll keep throwing you off topic, but even when I read a book, it's like, that's pushing me. I'll, I'll, I'll read like one page. It takes me forever to read a book because I'll read one page. Then I'm like, Oh, I got to sketch something with music. It's the same way. You'll have some vibe that isn't in your body or that connects to something in your body. And then you feel something and that makes you want to do something. So, you know, when you're listening to uh bebop music, you really want to paint like the fifties and, uh, get wild with it. And then, um, when I was shooting with Misha, you've worked with her. Yes. Um, she's awesome. Yeah. We, we listened to all French music. So it was all, it uh, had that vibe on the shoot. Yeah. And, and you know, this <clears throat> her also, hair was very French. This is also what people get when they, they ask me to put on the music. when I ask them, <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're going to get this. So La Femme it is. <laughs> La Femme d'Argent by air. Is that what no, it was? Uh, the, the, the rich woman? The band. The, oh, the okay. Yeah. Recommend them. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it definitely puts a vibe and a feel and, and that helps, that helps with you not having to over direct also. Like that, that might be a litmus test with me. Models who let me pick the music tends to be models that are fucking cool to work with. I think so. <laughs> so yeah, Cause yeah. they're usually like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to listen to. Right. I'm like, okay, cool. I got some slow dive going. Like you're good with that. I'm like, Oh, I love this. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I, had, I had a model one time. It was a three hour shoot. She's fantastic. Absolutely phenomenal what she's doing, but she chose the music and it was all Latin pop. I, I actually like after the first hour, I developed a fucking like, like above the eye headache where I was just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. You, you started building a wall. <laughs> so <laughs> <tengo> <laughs> la panza. I just like fucking stop. Like, first of all, I don't listen to music with lyrics. You know, I don't get into the flow with lyrics. And then yeah. second of all, like this is the most like, like like the poppiest of pop, like like sixteen like year Ricky old Martin, Ricky Martin type yeah. stuff. Worse worse than that, like like boy band Latin boy band oh. style stuff. Oh, it was no. oh dear, yeah. And Turn them on some Juana Molina. Oh well, that's that's the thing is I hinted <laughs> I was just like I, I you know they asked they were polite they're like you know how you know what do you think of the music and I'm like oh you know I prefer stuff without lyrics, and they're just like oh but all my stuff has lyrics in it and I'm just like. Uh-huh. Astute. That's yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> and then that's You know where, your own music. Yeah. That's and good. She didn't think that I was gonna like contradict her music and she just she was just like, okay, well I'm just gonna keep posing and, and we'll just continue with the shoot. I'm just like, I wish I had Advil. Yeah. <laughs> do, do I look like I listen to Latin <laughs> did the Latin photos boy bands? Like, <laughs> did the photos look like a headache? It no, thank goodness. The photos actually came out, but I was just yeah. So it it depends on the shoot. Like if it's a commercial shoot, like where I, I it, this is clearly not going in the portfolio, I'm just like 
you choose the music, you get into whatever groove you need to get into. If it's, if it's smiles and happiness and stuff like that, like whatever. But if it's like something for my portfolio and I need to, I need to get myself into a mindset for it. Sometimes I'll be a little bit more, Hey, I've got a playlist. Like yeah. I need to control, I need to control what's going on here. And I think that's important. Like I, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw on like uh, exit music for a film by Radiohead and you're going to, you're going to create that vibe right here. <laughs> Have fun. Fatboy Slim's entire discography. <laughs> right about now. The <laughs> funk soul, brother. Yeah. Bop, 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 bop. That's the one who goes, where he's like, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's either that or I'll, Slim. or I'll put on the doors if it's a, if it's a model that openly talks about like their mental, uh, mental health. I'll just be like, all right, so we're going to put on the doors and we're going to listen to the doors and then we're going to listen to Five Finger Death Punch. How about that? Five <laughs> Finger Death Punch. <laughs> oh, man. A, a, a friend of mine put that secretly on my playlist and I would be painting and like, I have my painting playlist takes me in a zone and I feel like I'm on a, a ride and, uh, and then the five finger death punch would come out. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I would get really pissed off. And sometimes I can't, I'm working, so I can't turn it off. And then I go back. And finally he admitted that he had done that. And so I was like, where did this come from? Disruption. How'd this get my playlist? It does not belong here. Yeah, I, I put Meshuggah on people's playlists before just to fuck with them. Back in the day when you used to still make CDs and stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like, just drop it in there. It's a horrible quick. thing to do to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Listen to the secret agent man and then Michelle comes in. I was mad. <laughs> I was alone and mad. <laughs> um, so where do you this is this is I'm sure you can answer this in five seconds or less. Where do you draw your artistic inspiration from to shoot? That's a that's a that could be an entire episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I could answer really obnoxiously everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Correct. That the was the boxwoods are an inspiration. Um, I've 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 drawn the boxwoods, and um, I, I've had a model pose with the boxwoods. So there's one. You know, things in the yard, things directly in my experience, of course, compost, um, mushrooms, de- decomposition, and these things. I start like. Oh. <laughs> that gets you going huh it yeah. suddenly like unlocks uh you, yeah. yeah when i walk by a, a concrete building a new concrete building i, I get extremely <laughs> just brutalist. like yeah i'm just like oh oh it's a box yeah. it's gray it's solid <laughs> you know you start touching it you're like oh, that's, that's i think that's 3000 psi concrete right there that's yeah. pretty good it looks like some people have stood in the line to get bread in front of this building oh i'm getting off yeah. they, they call that deficit in, in russian so yeah. <laughs> I have to remember that one. Yeah, um, I went to um, an art opening on Saturday night, local painter Patrick Puckett. And his work's kind of very David Hockney. And I just, you know, I was marveling at how he got this thick paint to, to work and how he can make it something so simple look so interesting. So, you know, that just kicks in my mind, even if it's for photography, it's all working in there. Um, other places of inspiration. Um, just, just getting out music. Um, and I, I find like musicians are probably the most fun to shoot. Also, they have the most open mind. Um, <laughs> so if, if I want to, you know, make the, the zoom and mess up the, the focus, they're like, great. 
<laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm so comfortable shooting musicians, being a musician myself. Yeah. I know exactly what to talk about. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. So those 6L6 tubes in the back of that head, you yeah. got them like on a yeah. hook at that point. They're like, oh, they love talking yeah. about their gear and then they relax. Because, yeah. you know, the, the problem, I find the problem with a lot of musicians, they want to look more badass than they actually are. <laughs> That's true. And, you know. No comment on that. Yeah, but, you know, so you got to get them to look like a model in the sense that you need them to look comfortable and in a natural. Because to me, that's what I'm going for when I'm shooting models. Like, how can I just get them to look like they're doing something super benign, but, you know, telling a story or whatever, you know, like they make them not look like they're being posed. And so with musicians, I just yeah. start talking to equipment and like, oh, cool. You got a fuzz face. That's a cool pedal, man. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix would like rock that out. And then they just like open up. And at that point you have the ice broken and yeah. such an, such low hanging fruit for me. If you take them someplace stinky also, that helps. Uh, I, <laughs> the, the spot we went to smelled like straight up urine on Friday night and everyone in the band was covering their noses and gasping. And one guy's like, I think I'm going to quit. Uh, <laughs> so those photos really fun. Uh, Cause they were all gasping and I'm like, okay, don't hold your breath. They just really loosened up from all that. And, uh, What's and actually some of them turned out to be really good. What is it about shitty places that make great photos? <laughs> Seriously, like I've you know texture, yeah, yeah, from, like, like like I've seen you know a, a model that uh, Raphael's worked with that I work with named Malika. There's this really cool shoot he did of her where she's like kicking rocks around in this fucking weathered place and yeah. a trench coat. I always liked that shoot. I thought that shoot was badass. But I love I'm, I'm I'm like that. I like taking like really beautiful models and putting them in really shitty places. Although I had one model reach out to me, I didn't know she was underage. I mean, not, not underage, like under 18, but like under 21. Like, I, I fucking won't work with somebody who's that underage. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm good. Uh, unless it's an agency model, uh, agency sending me someone to build a portfolio and the parents there. But I didn't know she was under 21. She's like, I want to go. I'm not going to name the name of the bar because you know, <laughs> she wanted to go to a bar to Can take me something. She wanted, she wanted, no, 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 I, there was none of that going on. <laughs> yeah. she, she wanted to take a picture of herself, like in the shittiest bathroom in Austin, like doing her makeup yeah. or something. And yeah. so I had this seven and a half millimeter fish eye and I just like put it up there and I just had it just on an interval timer. Cause I, I was like, I don't want to be in a bathroom, you know, like that, that's, <laughs> wow. but, but, uh, but when we got to the door, she like pulled out a fake ID. I'm like, Oh fuck. <laughs> like, wow. like, okay. She's yeah. that young, you know, but she, and she's like, I want a picture of holding a cigarette and she can't buy cigarettes cause you have to be 21. I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. But anyway, back to the point though, it's a, you know, it's like a wabi sabi thing too. It's like, you know, especially if it's like some perfect model, um, that, the texture of a, a gross place or a less desirable place is interesting. There's some history too that I can feel or sense, you know, hard in Austin to do that. But um, I find myself not wanting to go to second street at all, unless someone is paying me a lot of money. Second um, street is where I go for commercial shoots. It's perfect for exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Or the domain, <laughs> but, but yeah. uh, no, you, you'll get kicked a, out of the domain. Uh, if you shoot there, like I actually will well, show I don't up go there. I don't know anything yeah. about the domain actually. So it's too that, clean. It doesn't exist in my world. Yeah. Um, I, I get asked to go there a lot when I do, I have to take a small, yeah. one of my smaller Fuji cameras with People me that doesn't look professional because the second they see a yeah. Canon with a red ring on it, like they're like, you need a permit to shoot here. I'm like, how do I get a permit? Oh, you have to go to our website. There's like nowhere on the website. They're yeah. basically saying don't shoot here. It was years ago though. That I, I did go there. There was like a hair salon that I was doing the shoot for and they wanted me to take their models out around. And uh, we ended up in the parking garage and like one of those, one of the security guys was on one of those, uh, what do you call the segways segways? Yeah. And he was going up this ramp to bust us and he stopped on the ramp, told us to stop shooting. So we're like, okay. 
And then he couldn't get the thing up the ramp then. So it was kind of funny. It's kind of like a mall cop moment. <laughs> I, I did a shoot with Malika at the domain once. Yeah. I had a makeup artist. Uh, we were, so we were, we were at the top of a parking garage. You know, very, very original idea. It's like a milk bath with flowers in it. But anyway... <laughs> Not not original at all for those of you who don't know anything about photography, but we're at the top of a parking garage just shooting some looks. And um uh it's a residential like top floor. Like it's the the parking is all for residential, but we, we started shooting there and we saw like first of all the security comes by and they're like stop and we're like, okay, and we just ignore him. And then the cops came. And you know, I could see like you can see the cars wrapping around the garage coming up, and I saw a cop car and I was like I have six shots and then we're folding tent and leaving. Like, so I, I blasted off the last six shots and then got my, uh, modifier all broken down my softbox and my stand. And we're literally one foot down the stairs and the cop gets out. I was like, stop, like you can't shoot here. And I was like, cool. We're just leaving. Like, okay. Yeah. But you know, it's like, uh, I guess, I guess that's a subject to talk about. How, how much do you push the envelope, uh, with getting yelled at at places? How much do I push the envelope? Uh, yeah, because if you see a, a if you see a I shot, mean, if you see a shot and you're like, I want that shot, I know that's private property. What so, do I do? So I was asked to trespass on Friday for the band shoot, and I was very hesitant because I got asked on Thursday night because I went to a show, and then they're asking, "Can you shoot Friday?" So I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, he had scoped out all the the locations, um, and so he's texting me that he's like, "Well, one of them would require trespassing. Do you want to do that?" And I'm thinking. Well, I don't think I've charged enough <laughs> like to trespass. So, um, yeah, I was not excited about that. And it turned out there were people at the location when we got there that let us in. And um, the building was super rickety. And he just told us, he just told us flat out, like, uh, don't touch anything. And if something happens in there, just remember you're trespassing. So <laughs> we just laughed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would not have trespassed for that. Um, but you're saying for a shot that I really wanted, that would definitely require like a lot of comfort that I feel like I would have to, you know, if I'm going to get some model in trouble for something I've, you know, I don't really want to do that. Like I've seen a shot that would be a little dangerous too, that would be effing fantastic with the brutalist look. You can say fucking on here. Oh, okay. Fuck. Okay. You can beep yeah. it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we just say fuck, fuck, okay. fuck, 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 cock balls like on like Will Will Ferrell on on uh, old school. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've seen this, and I'm like, oh, a model could go out on this thing, this structure, and get out there, and it'd be so good. <laughs> I, I find with age, I'm less risky as I get older. Like when I was younger, I'd be like, yeah. So I, I had this model. Uh, yeah. that I'm not going to name names, obviously, because we don't like her. I just um, <laughs> yep. He knows what I'm talking about. Mm. There's this model who, yeah, there's this model who decided that she wanted to go out on these abandoned railroad tracks, which I'm okay shooting on abandoned railroad tracks as cliche as railroad tracks are. I was like, yeah, I'll shoot on abandoned railroad tracks. I'm not going to shoot on active railroad tracks. But she went on these abandoned railroad tracks and there was a bridge that goes over a river. It was like an 80 foot drop. There's a two and a half foot gap between each railroad tie. And I have a, 40 pound backpack on with a brand new camera that I, I just got a Fuji X-H2. I was just starting to shoot on and I was like learning the camera and I'm just like the, the railroad ties were starting to weather because I have a 40 pound, I'm a, you know, I'm 200 pounds, roughly 195 and then have a, a pack on me. I'm about 250. She's like probably 95 pounds wet. And I'm like, I'm like, 
Yeah, you're on the tracks doing fine, but like every time I take a step and I look down at this river, I like, I, I, I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm not. I'm, I was like, look, I have a telephoto lens. If you want to like walk out all the way onto the bridge, I'm happy to throw this motherfucker out to 200 millimeters and get your shots you want. And she's just like all pissy about it or whatever. And I was just like, whatever. Like I, that's where I, I found out that like, no okay, I'm, I, I will say no. Yeah. 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 I mean, no one should take your risk you know, with a cavalier attitude and I shouldn't take anyone else's risk. You know, so. it, it was a TFP shoot too. I'm like, you're not even paying me to do this. Fuck right. that. Yeah, right. this, this last weekend I was, we were, I was asked to trespass into Commodore Perry's at, at a very early time. And, uh, totally for TFP and it's, you know, it's Commodore Perry's. It's not a location I'd shoot. It's just very, it's very regal lawns and stuff like that. For those listening, what is Commodore Perry's? Commodore Perry's is a Sounds very nice. wealthy, like hotel slash resort in, in the middle of Hyde park where you have dinner parties, you have like reservations, people stay there and have like big, big meetings. And it's just kind of, it's like the, it's like the Austin, Texas version of Martha's vineyard mm-hmm. kind of, it's just a very luxury event space that people go to for uh, a number of things, weddings specifically. And so I was, I was asked to, to trespass on this space early in the morning and this person also said that there was a wedding that day. So I, you know, I said like, maybe we do it in the afternoon because, you know, like the risk of getting kicked out for waking up at 630 in the morning is too high and I'm not getting paid to do this. This makes absolutely no sense. Plus the location is absolute shite. If you want to get pictures of a nice, well-kept lawn with some, with some nice flowers, there's a lot of other places to do that in Austin and accomplish it. Especially if you're shooting at 50 millimeters, you're not going to see shit, you know, it's not, you're not going to see anything. So so I, I, I declined a couple of days before and they said, okay, I would really like to get the shot. I'm just like, I'm just like, well, I've, I've given several locations that we could shoot that would be more, you know, better and appropriate. And I'm, I'm not into trespassing. And, uh, I ended up getting chewed out for that, uh, the, the day of the shoot later in the afternoon. And it's just, it, it, it was out of order. The person asking me to shoot this was older than me. And so for a TFP for a TFP. And it's no. it just like the risk reward is so fucking low or so high. Rather yeah. that it's like, why even bother doing that? It's like it, you can shoot that anywhere. They have peacocks, not even peacocks. Yeah. <laughs> not even peacocks. There are no peacocks. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Real peacocks I'll with a, a weird for peacock sounds. Yeah, it's I'll I'll take a risk for like you know I'll shoot an underpass. I'll I'll right. you know there's a there's an abandoned school that Kevin and I have both shot at. I'll shoot there yeah. because I know the place. I've been there. I've done the risk assessment by myself. Right. No cops go there. Like that's fine. But going to a place where there's active fucking foot traffic and people spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to be there to risk taking shots that aren't going to impress anybody. What? It has what? to be the shot. Yeah. The, the TFP person's not going to pay your fine. No, no, no. And plus, you know, I even, I vocalized to them. I said to them, I was just like, I've, I've gotten my SD card wiped by locational security before, before they let us leave. And, and that's why you have a camera with two SD cards. <laughs> <laughs> the one on the backside. Yeah, well, and you have like the CF, you have the CF Express and then the SD card because they won't know. Like, I don't know what this big chunky thing is. Like, that's the CF Express. That's the one I care about. That's my SSD. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, just like a fil- it's an ND filter, bro. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. What does it mean to be 
published because I see these people on Instagram yeah. that say, and I, I, I just roll over and laugh. What was that? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Somebody dropped something. All right. They say, I, I am multi-internationally published. I'm like, what does that even mean? Well, words and their meanings change. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what it meant to be internationally published when I was a kid, I think it meant something. You had a, a, a magazine that was printed and you had a gatekeeper that said, this is good enough. Now we to have be printed. Now we have vanity magazines yeah. where the only people who actually buy, buy the printed copies are the photographers, the makeup artists, the models and very small, like, like you keep, and then they, and then they have like these, uh, these very clever fonts that look like Vogue, but they name the magazines Vigor or Intra right. or Movir or Malvi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have all these Mer- different, a French magazines. magazine. A French vaccine. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where it's from. <laughs> and, and it's like, but then like yeah. the people that the, like being published, like to me, like I, I, I just don't even like that word anymore. Like I don't like saying I've been published because it's, it can, you can embarrass yourself pretty quickly. If the if like people who know what's up, look at it and just like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that. It, yeah. it depends. The first magazine I ever submitted to, and this wasn't intentional. It was mob journals, boys, boys, boys magazine. And I later found out that this magazine is in almost every gay shop across the country, especially in LA and here in Austin. And I took a, I took a photo and impromptu shoot of my younger brother in, in some thrifted outfits. I got the shoots in, uh, submitted the shoots an hour before the deadline of the actual fucking like submission for the magazine ended up making front cover. And it was my younger brother who's not even a model. He's just, he's just gay. So, <laughs> and, and so that was one of the rare occasions where like that magazine on KVAR was actually like a printed and purchased magazine in LA and Austin. Very rare. Yeah, very, very rare for KVAR. I'm sure there are some on there. Um, yeah. Like uh, I had a model that wanted me to submit to Artelis last month. So I did that one. And of course they want me to buy an issue if I'd like to yeah. see the tear sheets. I mean, they're going to give the tear sheets in a month. Yeah. But I just wait I for just the laugh. T- I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying this. No. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I, I mean, here, here's the thing. I will say, if you are up and coming, like, you know, you're just learning. You, you know, Brennan and I talk about all the time, you should print your work. And I will say that the quality of the paper and the print on those magazines is pretty similar to what you get with Vogue or L or one of those magazines. But I've never seen one in real life. They're, they're, they're good. They're good. Like if you want to see your work printed and you're not going to do anything else with it, like to get eight pages, you know, whatever, if you want to spend $40 on a magazine, you know, you go out and you buy four or five, eight by tens. It's about the same. You're just seeing it in magazine type quality. So I could, I could see an argument for that. That's not the point. The point is don't tell everybody you're published because you're not like even, I don't even consider a photo Vogue to be published. Like I think, I think that the quality of work on photo Vogue is good. I think that the stuff that they select is awesome. They're literally just giving you a badge that you put on your image. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's cool. Like, like, like I've, I've never submitted to it, but I've seen the quality. I mean, you've been in, you've been in photo Vogue before, mm-hmm. uh, which is a subsidiary of Vogue Italia. So, but, um, but yeah, like I just, you know, you're like, I'm in Vogue and yeah. they tag Vogue and you're like, don't do that. Like, you're not even like, like, no, you're not in Vogue. 
Uh, first of all, Vogue doesn't do editorials. They do advertorials. Louis Vuitton pays Vogue for pages, and then they go, we want the Queen of England and Louis Vuitton, and we want Annie fucking Leibowitz to be yeah. the fucking photographer. That's published in Vogue, and yeah. you, unless you're doing that, you're not And published. I don't even know how you would, you know, like... I'd, people have to die. I'd, you have to have a, an agent or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't have yeah, people the have connections. To, you know, the, I, 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 find, I find... Real publications I've had were connections that I don't know. Well, I, I kind of find that these magazines... <laughs> I find that if you want to get into Vogue, you, it's, just, it's so so in Hollywood, for me, like John Williams, uh, Hans Zimmer, and like Danny Elfman like score like 75% of the movies in Hollywood, it seems like. It's a very exclusive and small club. Yeah. It's the same thing for shooting for Vogue. Like pretty much every other cover for Vogue is shot by Annie Leibovitz. And until she, she passes on to the next plane, it's going to be that way for a while. And there's about five dozen people waiting in the wings to take her spot. They are very high profile. So you, the point of this whole thing is, is you weren't published. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and we're not Annie Leibovitz. Yeah. And saying that you are published, it only works with the crowd that buys into the same mentality you do, yep. you know? Yes. So with that, we'll call it an episode. Uh, I want to thank Raphael for stopping in the studio today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, you can follow this podcast at f11pod.com. You can follow us on all the social media platforms at F11Pod. Um, and don't forget to uh, get your 10% off of Dehancer, uh, which is an awesome program. Um, we have a link in the description below where you can check that out. And kids, uh, until next time, chase light, not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.